This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Did contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Horticulture Spell to Rushing, and here it is, the first broadcast of 2024. Java, how'd you, how'd you and yours, Crystal, and all the kids get through the holidays? Oh man, we we're here on the other side, so you know we had a we had a good time and glad to be here in 2024. Times keep on ticking, man. Man, oh man, you know I just finished uh, every. I've been writing newspaper columns for whew, 40 40 something years every week. And every year, the last column of the year is my annual Felder Fesses Up column, which I did last week about all the stupid stuff that I did last year, stuff that didn't work for me, things I messed up, you know, typical things that real gardeners go through. Not this, you know, pie-in-the-sky, lofty, horty, holier-than-thou horticulturist. I mess up, and I had a whole bunch of stuff that go wrong. So I'm hoping it's going to be a good one, hoping it's going to be a real good one. And uh, matter of fact, I'd like to chat about some of those things, some of the things that that I screwed up or screwed up for me and maybe some things I got coming on for the new year, but we're here to talk with folks about what's going on in their garden. So let's start out. It's a toll free live program. Folks, you want to give us a call. Let's talk about it. Meanwhile, let's start out new year with Jim calling from Jackson. Is it Jim from Jackson? Morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Good morning. Howdy. Happy new year. Well, thanks so much. I want to comment about your appearance in newspapers during 2023. I know you made the front page of the Northside Sun for the garden tour, but I thought the more interesting one was when you identified that plant coming out of the pot bowl in Jackson and made the front page of the Clarion Ledger. Uh, Tell me how that came about. Okay, first first of all, I don't don't get the Clarion Ledger. I I, I know a reporter called me about something. I I don't know what it's about. I, I just remember a reporter called me. Uh, it uh, said that there was a plant growing out of a pothole. I sent send me a picture, and as I recall, it was just a, just a ragweed. But that's all I remember. Right. What, what, what was it about? But you made the front page of the paper. They made a big deal about the plant growing out of the pothole, and they talked about how you identified it and gave you know, its characteristics. And, you know, and it's so weird because, you know, I, I live in Fondren. I live in Jackson, and we potholes are so common in Jackson. I'm not talking about potholes because I actually planted a pothole on my street with little low plants you could drive over and everything. But I think what they were talking about was a sinkhole where the street just opened up and there's nothing down there but just dirt and mud and stuff. We've had those so so much in because of the Azu clay. We've had so many of those that people put Christmas trees in them. I've seen tomatoes growing out of them where sewer lines broke. Um, people put uh, decorate them, so it's re- it's almost it's almost like a who's got the better one rather than who's got the worst <laughs> one. <laughs> but this, but that's this, just this plant, this this plant was three or four feet tall coming out of that sinkhole. Well, there's a ragweed. Ragweed grows up from seed. It's sort of like a, a, a sunflower or a tomato, you know, sprouts from seed. It gets pretty big, set seeds, and then dies. But uh, we have full-grown willow trees growing in some of the sinkholes in, in my neighborhood with Christmas ornaments on them and Mardi Gras beads. 
Anyway, Problem and you know, a lot, a lot of people blame, you know, they blame the, you know, city and the infrastructure and all. It's just the clay. You know, anywhere you got clay and you have a, and the, 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 it shrinks and swells with the heat and the drought and the rains and all, you're going to get broken pipes and that running water is going to under, it's just going to un- undermine the pavement. This is, is a kind of, it's almost normal where you have a lot of heavy clay, but uh, it's turned into a game in my neighborhood. I live in Funky Fondren where we like to see who's got the funkiest sinkhole. Well, you've, you've been in the newspaper and you're on radio, so I expect in 2024 <laughs> TV is the medium waiting for you. Well, except, except in the radio and on in the newspaper, I can I can come across as tall and smart, but on television, <laughs> they can see I probably need to cut my hair. <laughs> anyway, thanks for calling, Jim. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Felder. All righty. By the way, folks, I've got a little bit of a – it's not a cold. I'm I'm over my cold, but I've got this nagging cough. So if every now and then I sound like a I'm just trying to cough is all. So uh, I hope everybody else has got good, good health because uh, – Kind of cold and wet and dreary, and you know, just got to be careful. So, John, how you? Would you? Are your kids still the Santa Claus age and all that? Or do oh, y'all do that? Yeah, of course. We had Santa Santa Claus came to my house and and had a, a good time. Dropped off a few presents for the good boys and girl. Uh, I mean, for the girls and the boy, and you know, came by, yeah. ate ate the cookie. Uh, and all kind of things. So yeah, we have <laughs> Santa Claus is a is a is a visitor at the Chapman household. Well, I, I had a uh, I didn't do much because you know there's everybody over here. I'm mean, still in England. You know the pubs are so small and they're because people huddle together to stay warm. We don't have you know big cavernous places, and it's just it's just too crazy with too many people sniffling and sneezing and coughing for me to do that, but. Uh, I can tell you this though, 2023 was a real doozy. I mean, as far as far as a gardener concerned, you know, personally, professionally, it's been pretty good. But as far as gardening, I mean, we had I had nandinas which you cannot kill, nandinas that completely defoliated and died. Uh, I, 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 squirrels were so thirsty and hungry they were eating my cabbage and my kale. I mean, that's pretty bad. Uh, also, in my backyard, usually has this sticky stuff driven out of the trees. It's called honeydew. It's just dripping from insects. And it's real sticky, and this black sooty mold grows on it. This is the first year I can remember when it was so dry, there's no sap to suck. And so there's, you know, the aphids and the scale and all almost disappeared. You know, the, the, it was so bad that even insects couldn't get enough sap to suck. So, yeah, the drought for 2023 really played a, a a big part. I mean, we're so expected to get some rain today, but you know that just breaks out, breaks up this drought that has kind of continued from 2023. Yeah, you know, a lot of people you know want to want to blame this that. And, you know, the bottom line is uh, one of the things I did this past year. One of the corners. Of my property down by the street that at the corner of my 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 garden and the driveway really hot really dry pure clay and i've been growing some agave those big old century plants uh, they're almost like cactus uh but i decided to turn that area into what i call tulsa corner mississippi i'm using plants that'll grow outdoors in tulsa oklahoma where it's extra cold in the winter extra hot in the summer, extra dry in the summer, still get plenty of rain. So I've got me a little area of cacti and succulents and agaves and sedums and stuff. Um, and, you know, some little southwestern-type ornaments. But I even put three old 
broken water uh, fire hydrants, you know, these big heavy fire hydrants. Well, over the years, I've collected some that were discarded, and I put three of those out there. So it's sort of like a pun. I got plants that will tolerate no rain at all, and they're accessorized with, with fire hydrants that aren't hooked up. So anyway, that's just my sense of humor. So, um, and I'd love to talk with you about what's going on in your garden. I'm doing some new stuff this year in, in my garden. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, lose a few plants. I had so many plants at the, the drought and the heat and the late freezes last year. They took out a few of my plants, uh, which just made the job easier for me to kind of lighten up, you know, neaten up, make my garden a little bit more, I guess, contemporary rather than crazy. One of the things I did was uh, well, two things. I lost a magnolia tree, a small magnolia that was like 15 years old. Instead of cutting it down, I spray painted the leaves black, glossy black, and they look great. But right back in the fall, I cut it back. Instead of just getting rid of the tree, I cut the branches back to about the diameter of my finger, and I put wine bottles on it. So I made, I have a magnolia bottle tree out front. And then I also had a cleara shrub. Normally, people keep them as great big meatball-shaped things in front of the house, but I let mine grow up to a small tree that was, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 feet or so tall. It, it died. But instead of cutting it down, what I did was I cut the five big trunks. We're talking about big around as my thigh. I cut five trunks off completely level, and I put a nice round outdoor glass tabletop on top. So I've got a multi-trunk tabletop and a bottle tree where I used to have two plants that uh, I was always worried about. So making lemons out of lemons, excuse me, lemonade out of lemons. It sounds about what, what 2020, well, we don't know what 2024 has in store, but you you can always make lemons out, make lemonade out of lemons any year. <laughs> yeah, you, you can also take it a step further. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think I went around the neighborhood with these little bulbs, little, little plants that come up in the winter, they bloom in the spring and then die down. Uh, little pink oxalis and just different kind of bulbs and wildflowers, and I stuck them all over the neighborhood where, where nobody was looking because I don't have any grass in my yard. My, I helped my son who who's just received it. He just started a new lawn in his backyard, and he's deliberately planting clovers and little bulbs and little low wildflowers. He's deliberately creating a flower lawn, not a, not a meadow like wildflowers, but more like a lawn that you could mow and still have little flowers and bees and butterflies. He's doing this on purpose. And uh, I decided we had some leftover stuff, so I'm just sticking them here and there in the neighborhood, um, usually in abandoned places, the street corners where nobody r- really cares. And so I'm creating my own little spread out fondren meadow. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in per- public. Well, it's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did kill. I had a fifty-year-old uh, rubber tree, Java. Uh, 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 a fifty-year-old root from a cutting in nineteen seventy-four. It, it it was born. I, the tree was probably nineteen seventy-one, seventy-two. But I rooted this thing fifty years ago, and because it was so hot and dry, it dried out too much and it got damaged. And to try to revive it, I watered it so much, I rotted the roots. This old horticulturist who wrote the book on container plants killed a 50-year-old rubber tree with too much kindness. There, I said it. I did it. I'm sorry about it. Me and Job and all the folks at MPB, we welcome you. We welcome the new year and your gardening questions. Let's start out right off the bat by talking with someone who's apparently one of my neighbors named Becky who lives in Fondren. Hey, Becky, good morning. Good morning, Felder. What's up? I wanted I wanted to tell you about... Uh, the sinkhole pothole in my yard 
when my daughter came from London at Thanksgiving, we decided to decorate it. So it's still <laughs> lit up, and we're going to keep it lit up till it, the lights die. So you'll probably see it when you get home. <laughs> and the hole is big enough to put my car in. Uh, you know, if you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it, or accessorize it, right? Accessorize, <laughs> and you would not believe how many people have taken pictures of that pothole. You know, it, you know there's, there's, there's so many different approaches to life. This, and the pothole, the sinkhole is not anybody's real fault. It's just clay. You know that. And uh, you know how, right. how, how many how many holes have you filled in New York? By the way, and and, and I, I know you real well. I gotta ask this: How's the weather been? Have you had any rain to speak of? And I'm talking about as a gardener to a gardener here. Well, I I was in Florida at my son's, and he has a uh, pond, and it's like two feet deep. It's so so dry there, and so, uh, the weather's been so different. There are a lot of plants that just hadn't died yet. It's like yeah. our garden is keeping on, keeping on. Yeah, still got summer and fall flowers. So, in other words, you're you got a pretty extensive garden, with a lot of plants. You're dragging hoses, huh? Yeah, what? Well, I'm not really dragging hoses. It's just it's not dying. I've got yeah. an aloe vera out there that's blooming. Wow. Well, you know, it's going to be so. So, so we're saying 2024 starting out weird. Yep, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, when I get back, let's get together and let's laugh and let's cry and let's hug about about gardening in general. All right. Well, I, mm-hmm. I want to tell you also that there's a giant hole down Robin Drive, and they came and fixed the water line, and it, and uh, there was this tree growing out of it. So I went down there to check out what was going on, and I said, "Y'all took the tree away." And the guy stopped and he looked at me and he said. I tried to get them to put it back, but they just wouldn't. <laughs> now, that was the one that was a willow tree, and a couple of trees over was the one that, that the sewer line had broken, and they had tomato plants growing around the edge of it with tomatoes. It was oh, be- wow. a, a, a sinkhole was going better tomatoes than I could in my yard, and I wrote the book. <laughs> but I did, and nobody <laughs> well, wanted Ted, to eat them, though. Ted, cause <laughs> Ted Hennepin is fixing it all, though. Potholes are on go. the way out. There you go. All righty. Well, Becky, appreciate it. Y'all have fun. Look forward to seeing your your. We got to come up with a name for this sinkhole tree, sink tree, pot pothole tree. Got to come up with a name for yeah. it because you're, you're, I, you're ubiquitous. I'll leave that for you. You're good at that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Becky. <laughs> Happy New Year's. All right. Bye. Okay. Decorating the tree, making lemonade with lemons. So let's go down to Donahead, down to the coast, and talk to Michelle. Michelle, how are you today? Hello. Howdy. Well, um, for the third year in a row, my paper whites are coming up, but there's ne- they never bloom. What's the problem? Uh, this is it's pretty unusual. First of all, are they in sunshine for the next month or so, or are they on the north side of something? Oh, no, they're in plenty of sunshine. Okay, well, that, that's the number one thing. A lot of people don't realize that, that uh, these plants, they make the flower bud after they normally finish blooming, if they get sunshine, so if it's on the north side or something, it doesn't get sunshine in the winter. But if it's in full sun, um, you know, most there are a lot of different kind of members of that group. That group of daffodils called paper whites are called pozzettas, and there's a lot of different pozzettas. And some, and they all do best in the south. And there may be some that aren't as 
is easy to multiply as some of the old-fashioned varieties. So it may just be the variety that you got. Uh, unless you got it from a, a, a place that had lots of them that had been blooming for years, it might just be a gamble on what variety you got. You know, I, I tell people all the time, daffodils grow really, really well from the coast to, to Memphis. They also grow up into Michigan, but the ones growing in Michigan may not flower in Mississippi because they're different, different varieties, just like fruit trees. So only way to make sure is either get some that we know that do well here or get them from somebody that they've done well for. You may have just gotten a variety that, that, that needs to be dug up and divided every year or two. So and I'm just okay. making a guess. I've been, I've been growing daffodils dozens of different kinds for many, many years, and there's not really a good question, uh, a good answer to that if they're getting sunshine and they're not too crowded. So okay. and also, just, just, just also wait and, wait and see. Uh, paper whites are, are great for the coast, uh, but some may not bloom until uh, late January or February. There's early, mid, and late season bloomers of those two, so it might not be too or might not be too late. Okay, well, good luck on it. Thank you. Java, she talked about a a, uh, a type of daffodil, which is folk name for Narcissus, which is Latin for daffodils. But there's a group of them that have multiple flowers per stem. They're typically early bloomers, and they're real fragrant. They're usually, almost all of them are white. They're called paper whites. And uh, there's some that bloom in time for Christmas. There's some that bloom even as as early as Thanksgiving, but... It's just there's so many different kinds, I, I just can't keep up with them. Anyway, let's slide up to the northeast part of the state, to Pontotoc. Wanda, good morning. Good morning, Felder. How are Howdy. you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Oh, What's up? Well, except for that cough, right? I wanted oh, to yeah. ask you about um, something. My nephew has had a weeks-long cough, and his wife had brought in her plants from the winter. Uh-huh. Uh, for the winter, and someone said that his coughing might be due to a plant. She's removed them now, but I wondered if that's common. Well, it's 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 not common, but it's not rare. A, a lot of people have allergies to molds, and if okay. you have a plant, if you have a plant that's got old potting soil that's kept a little bit moist, then a mold can develop, and and that'll splash around. Usually, it's not that big a problem because our our houses don't have a lot of a lot of air circulation. We have the heater and the air conditioner, but it's not like we have open windows. But if if, if they're keeping the plants a little bit wet, then some of the older right. plants can, can mold and put spores out. One of the ways around that, okay. would, two, two ways, would be to, to put some fresh molds, like some bark or something, on top of the potting mm-hmm. soil. And if there's any mold okay. in the potting soil, that'll keep it down. And, and let the plants get almost dry between soakings. And, uh, and, and that way, but some people are allergic to molds that are in potting soils if they're kept too wet and the spores are splashing around. But mulch and not water as much could help on that. Well, thank you so much. That sounds well, reasonable. I, I appreciate I, it. Okay, and I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm a horticulturist with allergies, <laughs> so so that's my best education. So you understand. <laughs> you, thank oh, you. Oh, you bet. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. This time of year. This time of year, a lot of people overwater their plants. They don't need, you know, my plant can go two months or more without watering. I sent my daughter over to check on my plants the other day. She said they're fine, Dad, and it's been, you know, way over a month. So uh, giving plants a really good soaking, maybe watering twice a few minutes apart, a lot of times they can go 
weeks without needing water again. So just try not to overwater plants when they're not growing as uh, as rapidly in the in the winter time. Felder, so, uh, I like what you said. It's not it's not rare, but it's not uncommon because. Um, you know, people do bring their plants in for the winter, and yeah. if you are sensitive or, like you say, you may be bringing something into the house that you didn't even really think about when it comes to, like, mold and stuff like that, It's this, that's interesting that that happens this time of year, you know? Yeah, and plus we're all cooped up, and we keep the, the – a lot of times we keep it too, you know, too too warm. You know, it's just – it's good for molds if you had a lot of plants. By the way, there's a myth out there that's perpetuated – Everybody believes this, and if you Google it, almost every website will say it's true, and it's not true. Potted plants do not remove toxins from the air. That is not true. No, Felder, that's it's true. It's true, man. I I know that. I I I even I know that it's true, man. <laughs> it ain't though. That's the problem. All the research is done in little boxes that are meters. You know, just three foot by three foot boxer where they sucked all the air out and just pumped in certain kind of toxins with certain kind of plants in research to see what they could do as spaceships. It was actually done by Bill Wolverton, Bill Wolverton down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast working for NASA. But if you put a plant in a regular sized room, all those benefits completely disappear. It's been proven over and over and over. They don't clean the air in your in your house. We just need we just need bigger plants, man. You got small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, now I suppose if you have a lot of big plants and you have a really dusty house, they collect a lot of dust on the leaves. But you need to take them out and rinse them <laughs> off every now. Got 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 to change, clean the filter every now and then. But anyway, it's a real big deal about what plants remove toxins from the air, and it's it is absolutely. A myth that's been proven over and over again. But try to try to explain that without coming across with a jerk. So anyway, let's go up to DeSoto County, the northwest corner of the state, to talk to Chris. What's up, Chris? Uh, good morning, Felder. Um, I uh, have wasted um, hours upon hours, <coughs> dollars upon dollars, trying to grow uh, vegetables in you know road tilled up soil, boxes, yeah. um, and this has been going on for years, and I've got a lineage. People have green thumbs all through my family. I mean, it's, it's yeah. embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I'm the king of growing miniature vegetables. Um, I follow well, directions. Well, go ahead. You know, keep going. I was going to say welcome to the club, but keep going. Yeah, I've got the black thumbs of the family, but um, the I follow the directions. on all. I, I buy seeds every year. I'm, like, so excited. I get my garden prepped. I've got a box, a large box. I fill it with nice soil and compost and manure. It's a really good mix. But um, I, I always get a good production the last week of growing season. And, and they, I'm yeah. so excited there. But they don't, you know, they're a, a quarter of the size, and it's too late. Yeah. So tell me what I'm doing wrong. I mean, my, da- my my grandfather was national orchid sales manager. My my mother was a silver cup floral designer, and yeah. I don't want to I don't want to call her and say I'm I'm a floral I'm a I'm a gardening failure. What do I no, need to do different? Well, 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 first of all, we're 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 comparing different skills. You know, arranging things on That's your true. plate. You know, you know, a, a, a chef is really does a whole lot of really good cooking. 
but not any better than just you know macaroni and cheese out of the refrigerator, you know. So a different skill set. As far as gardening, growing stuff, I've grown stuff in raised beds. I've grown them in just plain dirt. I've grown them in rows and I've wide beds, I've, containers, every possible kind of thing. And I have just average production. I can't grow a tomato to save me, and I've written a book on it, but I can't actually yeah. do it. So it's, not, it's not what you know. And sometimes it's not even what you do or don't do. Sometimes it's just luck. Um, you know, and then you turn right around and see country folks with no training at all just growing just huge gardens just loaded with stuff and just playing dirt. They don't know yep. anything. They don't do anything right, and they have good per- – so I think a lot of it is we tend to overthink. I tend to overthink and overdo. I overprepare my soil. Sometimes I overfertilize. Sometimes I overwater. You know, so it's it, – one thing that would help is stop thinking of them – for example, just vegetables. Forget flowers, just vegetables. Don't think of them as, as a group of plants. Think of them as individuals, sort of like on a train. Uh, you look around at all the people on the train, they don't have much in common except they're humans. Well, the only thing vegetables have in common is, is, they, is the plants that grow in the dirt, we eat part of them. But you can't compare a tomato with a beet or, a, or corn with sweet potato or, or peppers with squash. They're completely different creatures. Only thing they have in common, they need dirt, sunshine, water, and uh, yeah. and, and, and the right kind of weather. So what I would suggest would, would be break your garden up into two or three smaller gardens and treat each one as a separate garden. Instead of trying to plant everything at once like a farmer, uh, plant stuff, and whether when it does its thing or dies, pull it up and just replant just that area. And just sort of getting a rhythm of planting a little bit in different places, you know, maybe every month or two you plant something at, at the most. And you'll end up with finding out what grows well for you and your soil and your conditions. Uh, one of my raised beds is, uh, my big raised bed is 100 square feet. It's 4 feet by 25 feet. I've got it broken up into four separate gardens. And, and it looks like it. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff in it. Sometimes it's empty. But I don't. I don't garden like a farmer. I garden like uh, somebody who's just cooking at home and munching and snacking and stuff like that. And that might help. Well, uh, so, do I need do I need to uh, do I need to start seeds in inside in February in March? Uh, or well, okay, am I, am I doing that wrong? Okay, no, no. You, first of all, you're not doing anything wrong. You may not be doing it right, but you may not. But I don't think you're doing it wrong. And starting seeds indoors is something that even experienced gardeners with green thumbs have trouble doing. So I would, and this is what I do. I'm, I'm tired, I'm lazy, I'm busy, I'm gone a lot, uh, I'm impatient. So I plant very few things from seed, very few things. And there's only things that grow really well, like lettuces and clover and, you know, things. But I buy transplants for all my other stuff because that way most of the work is already done. It's a little bit more expensive but it, for for instead of a three dollar package of seeds, I'll get three tomato plants that yeah. are ready to go, and uh, so that to me that's 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 easy doing the convenient thing instead of trying to get a head start. Um, a lot of it depends on what you're planting when. Some plants like cool soil, like over the next couple of months is when we plant lettuce and and turnips and cabbage and yeah. collards and beets and stuff. But a lot of people, especially old timers, kind of give you bad advice based on their experience. They plant too early in the spring. I would not plant any summer crop at all until until April. 
when the soil has warmed up. See, so don't try to get too ahead of start. Think in, in terms of each garden being a temporary plot that you're going to plant once or twice or maybe three times over a year. And then, in other words, don't think linear like a farmer. Think like you're washing dishes or you're cooking and, and just doing stuff around your house. And uh, don't okay. treat it like a farm. Treat it like individual little plots. And um, that's the best advice. Also, email me. If you'll email me, uh, we've got some really good resources, some good gardeners who are, who are close to you, master gardeners, uh, and also some good resources online from Mississippi State on what plants do best planted when. And I can sure help you with that. But uh, Okay, well, get, thank I'll, you. Enjoy your show. Okay, well, last word. All that's said and done, I've written 30-something books. I feel like I've, done, I've tested soil for state. I've, I've had great successes. I've visited gardens all over the world, some of my best friends are horticulturists, and I can't grow tomatoes, okay? I don't think I'm stupid either. I just can't no, do I don't it. think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good luck on it, man. And now it's answers to unasked questions from Felder Rushing for 2024. Okay. First of all, Java, let me set this up. Uh, on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook thing, some people were, were asking, uh, which side, if you're putting up a fence, which side does it face? Which side do you put the smooth, the finished part facing where you can see it or where the neighbor can see it or whatever? So in other words, what's the front of a fence? Now, that's not the question, but I'm going to set this up because a lot of people make a fence that faces them. That's what I do because I, I, I want to see the finished part. But if you have it where the pretty part faces you, the part that's facing away, first of all, it's easier for people to climb over. I'm not sure you want to necessarily make it easy. But get this. Most city municipalities, most of their codes say that if you're going to put up a fence, uh, and here's, here's just one from Jackson, fences and walls shall be constructed so that the finished part of the fence or wall is located towards and facing the exterior of the property. In other words, you're supposed to put the pretty part out, and you look at the bad part. I'm thinking, mm, I don't know about that. But anyway, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. But anyway, the, the, the question that nobody asks, and I'm going to ask it here, is how can you tell the backside of a big tree trunk along a footpath in the woods? That is a good question. That is a good, and I I just took a nice little nature walk and saw lots of I thought was the back of tree trunks. I don't know. <laughs> how, but how you know which is the backside though? And nobody's ever asked that question. I tell you how it's real simple. Old Farcher taught me that you walk around the tree a couple of times and you pretty well could figure out that people relieve themselves on the backside of it. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> Oops, did I go too far? No, no, that was. I mean, the sci- science says <laughs> that. That's, that's oh man, that's that's terrible. That's terrible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to kick off 2024 on the right bad foot. I mean, where else but public radio can it be cheesy like this? And uh, by the way, I don't know. Do we have any calls coming in yet? No, we have um, Charles in there waiting on uh, calls to be lined up. So give us a call. Toll free, 1-877-MPB-RING. we got the lines wide open. While we're doing that, uh, let me me tell you one of the the dumb things I did. I don't know if it's dumb or not, but you're a dad. You'll you'll understand this. Uh, I found out that my my granddaughter, who's three, that she really likes fresh lettuce and English peas, you know, the little pea things where you pop them and you eat them. 
And uh, so I grew some, and I got pictures of me and her planting lettuce and picking lettuce and peas, but I'm not really good at growing peas because it's, well, I'm just not. Anyway, I grew a few, and she was so delighted to go out there picking peas off the vines that she got them all. And I didn't know what to do because she was going to come back over and get some more peas. So I went around to a neighbor's who was growing peas, and I begged some of him. He gave me some peas off his vine, and I taped them onto my plants. <laughs> You taped them on? Did you say you taped them on? Yeah, I got some peas from my neighbor's garden, taped them on my vine. My granddaughter thinks I am the best. I am the <laughs> Every best. time I come over Pop-Pop house, he has new peas for me to pick. Okay, okay now, now, before and after, uh, do you think, how many people do you think that was a good thing versus a bad thing? Am I, am I somehow... Uh, Protecting her from the reality of life, or or am I pumping up my what what's what's the dynamics here, Java? You're a dad. She's three, so you did yeah. the you did the perfect thing. She's gonna because <laughs> from now on, Pop Pop grows the most fantastic magical peas, and no matter mm-hmm. when I go over there, there's always peas. <laughs> well, see, that's the bad part about it, though. She's gonna find out what, what a scam I am. See, she's getting an age where she can, where she can, she'll be able to remember and expect stuff, and she can find out that I'm really not that good at carton. <laughs> well, that's all down the line. But for right now, it's magical pop pop and his magical peas. Yeah, Sa- Sa- Santa Claus put peas on that vine. <laughs> oh me, maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, one of the, you know, I mentioned before the break that uh, I'm going to give myself permission to not have to put my best foot forward all the time. And here's where that came from, Java. I found out that the 2023 word of the year, you know, they all come up, what's the most searched word? It was authentic. That's the word of the year. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm not very authentic if you take peace to your body. Anyway, um, I decided that, that I'm, I'm going to, this year, I'm going to be a little bit more into garden mischief mode. You know, not up to no good or rebellious. I'm just going to color a little bit outside of the lines. And um, I'm going to resolve to be more authentic, which is defined as true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. And that's why I was going to push back a little bit, Felder. You taping the piece from your neighbor's yard is authentically Felder, man. That's you. <laughs> That's you are being truly authentic. Yeah, there's so many levels of wrong to this. <laughs> but anyway, one of the things, I'm going to attempt to treat my garden as less of a place for showing off horticulture skills, more of a, what I call an imperfect stage performance for me and mine. It, it, it ain't right. And one of these months, she's going to come over and she can say, I want some peas. I'm going to take around there and say, ain't no peas, sweetheart. Sometimes there's peas, sometimes there ain't. And it's a hard world. Grow up, girl. <laughs> you just made a poem right there. I did? Yeah, it rhymed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The, the, most, the most, most authentic version of Felder's Garden Skills is faking it. <laughs> All right, Felder. Now we got a, a full bank of calls okay, to go good, through good. to let's, hopefully let's, carry let's, us through the rest of the show. Let's see how much I can talk to my through my hat to grown-ups. <laughs> Who we got here? Let's go to Ron in Canton uh, up first. Okay. Hey, Ron. Good morning. Thanks for bailing me out, man. What's up? Good morning. You're doing good, Felder. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I'm 
I I heard or read somewhere one time about growing mushrooms in uh, rotting wood, like yeah. a decaying wood, the hardwood, and uh-huh. I've got access to some of that. And I'm wondering where and what kind of mushrooms do I need? Well, that's, that's a good I question. And, 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 and technically, you're not growing them in rotten wood. Mushrooms are produced on fungus that rot wood. So you put it in wood that's not rotten, and the fungus, you're inoculating with these spores of this fungus that actually decays wood for a living. And when it's happy, it makes mushrooms. Uh, so that, you know, so you don't need rotten wood. You need wood that's, that's dead, that's able to rot. And uh, there's all different kinds of woods. You drill holes in them. You know, there's different ways of doing that. But if you'll go online and look for homegrown mushrooms, uh, mushroom spores, mushroom kits, there's a whole bunch of them that the cell, it looks like little sawdust stuff that's got spores, and you drill holes and you stick it in wood, and it grows like that. Sometimes it comes with its own wood that's ready salted. It's ready to go. You just watered only starts going to make mushrooms. So go online and you got a choice of, oh, four or five really commonly grown different kinds of mushrooms that you can grow at home. Uh, and once you get it started, you could use those spores on your own wood. And, I mean, a friend of mine from Meridian stacks up fairly fresh cut but dead wood, it just stacks it up and just sprinkles these spores on it and grows like, just like that. So, anyway, different kinds of mushrooms, different kinds of treatments, and it's really easy to find online. I thank you. Okay, good luck on it. And uh, but, but remember this: if you're not sure about them, don't give them a try because, as they say, the, the there are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there's no old bold mushroom hunters. So be careful. <laughs> oh, I, I do have one other question. I read about some mushrooms that grow underground. Do we have those around here? Yeah, we do. We have a lot of different. Well, see, again, mushroom is it's called a fruiting body. It's sort of like a flower of a fungus. Fungi don't have flowers, but they have things that that they shoot up, or they make puff balls, or or different kind of structures that have their spores. And so that's that's what a mushroom is. And there's some that that grow completely underground. I don't know of any in Mississippi, but I'd be surprised if we didn't have some. Uh, I think truffles are an example. You know, truffles they have. Uh, that they, they grow beneath the ground, but I, I don't know. I, I I just don't get into all that because I don't know about it, and it can be real dangerous. Okay, thank you. Good question, though, Ron. Good luck on it. I appreciate it. All righty, now let's slide up to Webster. Mark, are you? At, is there a place called Webster, or are you in Webster County? Yeah, I'm in Webster County, close to uh, close Eupora. Okay, close, well, what's, what's going yes, on? Well, um, I've started taking up the hobby of growing pawpaws, and uh, there's not much information on pawpaws in, in Mississippi, and I don't, and I know it's not a commercial fruit tree. But do you know any, uh, do you know any areas or people that uh, that grow the pawpaws? Well, I've got a really good friend. Uh, he, you're probably too young to remember the Victory Garden on television. A guy named Roger Swain with the with the red suspenders. Uh, I went up oh, to yeah. Boston one time and spent some time with him doing a pawpaw tasting test. You know, you go up to farmer's markets up in Ohio and Kentucky and all, and they, sell, they have pawpaws that they sell there. Well, there's a fellow uh, just outside Jackson. Uh, his name is Yowell. He grows pawpaws and actually sells the trees and the pawpaws at the farmer's market 
in Jackson when they're in season, which is in the summertime. I was raised with pawpaws. Uh, but, and they're native plants. They go all over down in the river bottoms. I'd be surprised there weren't some somewhere in Webster County, but they're, they're bottomland tree. A lot of them around Pearl River and Jackson. Uh, but they're native plants. They grow perfectly fine even without around the swamp. But as far as commercial production, the only person I know is, uh, is this fellow out from Florida. He just has them in season. Uh, if you go online, Kentucky, I don't know, the University of Kentucky, Kentucky State. Anyway, the the, Lang- the Mississippi State version in Kentucky has a publication on pawpaw production uh, that I had years and years ago with the different varieties because they actually have mm-hmm. different varieties. If you're going from seed, it takes forever. Some will never make fruit, some good. But, you know, there are places up north that sell grafted pawpaw varieties for better production. So, um, yes, sir, so I've been to- I've been to the Ohio Pawpaw Festival twice, so I've started to get familiar with it. I bought some improved, some, you know, grafted varieties, and I'm starting an orchard here. So uh, I just, I guess that the soil and everything is probably, I guess whatever the University of Kentucky puts out would apply to pretty much here. Well, uh, again, pawpaws, I, I was raised, I'm from the Delta, and I was, we have pawpaw trees uh, in, in my great-grandmother's garden. Uh, and they'll grow, in, and they don't have to be in around a swampy area, but just like cypress trees, bald cypress will grow in the crack of a sidewalk, but it seeds sprout in wet areas. So you typically find uh, pawpaws as bottomland trees, not, not upland species. So if you've got an area that's kind of low, maybe stays wet part of the year, Maybe not, but just, you know, not really hot and dry and clay. You could probably grow them just about any place. It, it's, it's nothing special about growing them is what I'm saying. There's just not much of a market uh-huh. for them. Because they don't stay fresh very long. And uh, by the way, call, uh, up north they call custard apples for whatever reason. That's but, right. Uh, I've but, also heard them called Indiana bananas. Yeah, 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 and there's some really, really good ones. Anyway, it shouldn't be much trouble. But I think the main reason why we don't have a commercial production is the main reason we don't have a lot of oriental or Japanese persimmon production is not much of a market for them, but they grow perfectly well. So, good. Um, Thank you. I, I, I will warn you about this. After I spent time with Roger Swain in Boston, we had this marathon pawpaw tasting session. He had like 24 different kinds, and we tasted them. And these were sweeter, those were firmer, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, when they got done, he said, oh, I forgot to mention, now that you're about to get on an airplane, uh, there's this thing called severe gastric disturbance. <laughs> so don't yeah. eat too many if you're about to get on an airplane. <laughs> Thank you for that. Good luck. Hey, hey, keep me in the loop. The people of Mississippi State, uh, we may not have any pawpaw growers. There's no reason why you can't, can't, can't start an association and get a good market going. Yeah, well, thank you. Okay, keep me in the loop, man. This can be fun. All righty. Thank you. Okay, let's go now down to Hattiesburg. Tom, I appreciate you holding. What's going on this morning? Hey, good good morning. Happy New Year, Tony. Thank you. You too. What's up? Well, I was just uh, calling about the uh, soil, like, like you put seven dust on your plants and stuff, and organic uh, farmers uh that try to, to get the toxins out of the soil uh, with yeah. this liquid hummus type stuff, and then uh, yeah. then they put the, yeah uh, then they put that molasses over it um, to uh, activate the uh, microbes and so forth. Yeah. Is that is that would that that work for like 
I ha- I had some uh, railroad ties around old ones for a little while. I've moved them, but would that kind of help get rid of that also? And that you, what is your thought on that? Well, first, first of all, there's a lot of science behind that, but most of it is not that necessary. You know, there's a whole lot of people that over-research and overdo stuff that's, that's only borderline beneficial. Uh, the, the main thing coming out of railroad ties would be creosote. And if you just till your garden up really well, or if you'll scrape off the, the top part where they were, you can get rid of that themselves. But there are some plants that can absorb certain heavy metals and minerals and toxins, and you can take those plants and throw them away, get rid of it. But for the most part, just digging the dirt really good, adding some organic matter to it like bark and compost and manure, these uh, toxins bind to those things. And that's probably, in other words, dilute. It's like throwing sawdust when you spill oil on your driveway. You know, so just digging it up really, really good, turning the dirt over, adding some organic matter. That does the same thing as all this adding in humus, by the way, it's it's, uh, one of those new buzzwords. It's not that it's not it's not as easy to say. A lot of people jumping on bandwagons of stuff that's not practical, but adding humus just means adding good stuff to your dirt. And people who know about this stuff are cringing when I'm saying that. But in general, it's just adding <laughs> organic matter to your soil, and uh, and uh, and it's not about it's not about absorbing old, you know like seven dust and all that. Those things they don't last long. They, you know that's not a that's not an issue, even the next year, much less down the road. So creosote and other heavy toxins, if you just dig your dirt, turn it over, add some organic matter, that does the same <clears> thing <throat> as all this scientific stuff they're talking about. Okay, do, do like uh, blueberries like absorb. You know, uh, more or in some plants, no, more, like you no, say, no. more than others. Not, not, not particularly. There, there are a handful of okay. plants that do, but, but in general, it's, it's a lot of people are they're taking a micro little fact and they're blowing it up in a whole industry. I see okay. that all the time. But anyway, I, I felt like I'd be wasting my time. <laughs> Yes, you know, work some peat moss in. You know, dig your dirt good, add some peat moss to it, and just go on. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you, and I've got your cough, too. I've had it for a long time, so it's hopefully just we'll get through with this. I'm, I'm I think it's all the, the drought. I believe the drought had a, a lot to do with it. <laughs> I I have no idea, but I'm just hoping that a good a good pint of stout dark beer will fix me up, because that's where I'm here for <laughs> when I get off the air. Anyway, good luck. Well, fun. Thank you. Yes, appreciate sir. it. All righty, Java. It was kind of a wild one today. Did I have I got a bizarre sense of humor this year? Well, I mean, it is the first show of 2024, so either we can, either we started off with a bang, or it's only up from here. Either way, you yeah. want to look at it. <laughs> well, and also, I'm excited to be back. You know, I'm, I'm, I miss you know every week we're not on here. I, I feel like I'm missing out on some fun stuff. So anyway, we'll do better next week, and we're going to be doing this every week, just like during Monday through Friday, all the stuff on MTB. Um, I'm going to take a week long break. Come back next Friday, and we're going to talk about gardening again. Meanwhile, if you get a chance, ain't no farmers markets out there, but garden centers have still got a few bulbs. You know, a little pot, some bulbs, a little bit of maybe a viola put out there, and just do what you can do best. Even in the middle of the winter, folks, we can have fun getting dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.